You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyot, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Wednesday, September 21st, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, Justin Baki back with you to kick off the 2022-2023 Minnesota Wild season. Folks, we're back. There's hockey on Sunday. Wild's first preseason game. We'll talk a lot of preseason stuff here in just a minute, but it's been a hot minute since I've talked to the fellas. We got to check in, see everyone's doing, see what's new. So Justin, we'll start with you, man. How has it been? How you doing? I'm doing well. Things have been uh, <clears throat> good. Busy. Starting to be busy again. Our oldest just started kindergarten a couple weeks ago. Um, of course, she's been in the Little Wild program, and then uh, our, our daughter decided to play hockey, too. So um, She's got her first uh, kind of try hockey for free event this weekend, and see how it goes. She seems genuinely excited, so uh, we're going to be quite busy. Two kids in hockey and, and maybe a third down the road, but uh, it's good to see them find what they want to do. Yeah, should keep you plenty busy, that's for sure. Yeah. Zeke, what about you, man? Yeah, no, I'm doing good. Uh, not much been going on. Just uh, it's felt like summer's gone by pretty fast. It's uh, you know, it's been nice uh, to be completely honest. Like you know, usually uh, normal me would spend you know some time each day watching some video or, or thinking about or listening to something or whatnot about you know wilder hockey in general. And to be completely honest, this last summer I was so. Uh, I was fed up with the way the last season ended. I just kind of, you know, I, I would do it with podcasts and all this, but otherwise I would just kind of try to just, you know, literally just go outside and not frustrate myself so much. Uh, but, and it's kind of just gone by really fast where it's kind of just crawled up on me, you know, here recently. And uh, with that Roos article with Bevson last week has really got my itch going to, you know, get back into this and, uh, you know, uh, be back, talk with you guys every week. So it's, it's great. Yeah, no, it's crazy how fast it seems the seasons come back. But, you know, you have that little bit later postseason, so you still have that mm-hmm. not quite as short of off season as we had last sure. summer, but still a shorter off season than than typical this year. Hopefully back on a normal off season schedule next yes. summer with, you know, an end of May wrap up early June for the for the Stanley Cup. Um but yeah, we do have a lot to talk about because it has been a while. Um, before we get into the wild stuff, we're going to keep with the, the theme of the show. We like to start with prospects. Um, and there was the Tom Curvers prospect showcase. I don't know if Chica- I called that in Chicago. I don't know. That yeah, was I mean, last year, but there was the prospect showcase um, yeah. in Chicago last week. Um, I unfortunately did not have much of a chance to watch it, but I know Justin, you and the prospects page were keeping pretty close tabs, and you're a resident prospect prospect experts. So we'll kick it over to you um, for updates from that, and then this other general because I know there's some guys that have started play um, out on the other side of the world as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll, this will be a, a decent prospect update. We, even though we only had a couple prospects prospects going in the KHL, um, I did. It is called the Tom Curvers Prospect Showcase. Even though it was in Chicago this year, they're just kind of swapping locations year to year. Um, 
but uh, I got to watch the first game. I missed the second one because I was at work, but the first game was was uh, started off rough. The first period, they came out kind of flat. Um, we were down 2 nothing, and then from there, Wallstead just really shut it down and, you know, trying to think for a sec who really stood out like Rossi was pretty good in the dot, and then, you know, we got goals from Beckman and Firstov and Bankier. Um, I forgot who the other couple goals were because it's Didn't not Hentges all coming have one, together. What's that? Hentges, didn't he have one? Yeah, Hentges did. That's right. And then uh, there was one more, but yeah. Did Beckman uh, score? Kinda, what's that? Did Beckman score at all? Yeah, I mentioned his. Yeah, it was, okay. yeah. yeah, Beckman, Bank here, Hentges. Anyways, they ended up winning 5-2 to two and coming back and looking good. The last two periods were a total 180 of the first period. And, you know, I felt like one player that <clears throat> kind of stood out to me that I'm thinking about it. Sorry, my allergies. <clears throat> Sam Henches was looking pretty quick in that game. And, of course, he ended up scoring that goal, but I kept hearing his name. And then first off, looked pretty good as well. We, we thought he scored two goals at first, but he was actually only scored one of them. Uh, but he, he still looked pretty well out there. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the second game was nothing to really talk about. I didn't see it, but uh, I think it was like a five nothing loss. So, uh, Wallstead Rossi didn't play in that one either. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, but uh, no, then, it, it was great to see from my perspective. You know, some of those names that you've talked about a lot, and then some mm-hmm. of these we don't talk about as a lot. Like kind of getting that production from the guys you think you would, and then some of the guys you wouldn't think you would too. Um, and obviously, you know, on, on both ends, I mean, a lot of these guys have played together, played together. And any sort of length, so systematically, mm-hmm. chemistry-wise, there's not a ton there. You know, right. goalies probably aren't in mid-season form by any means either. But um, always good to see. You know, any chance we get to watch, you know, this exciting group of young players and, and see them be yeah. successful is always exciting. So, um, right. and we know Chicago is, you know, they're they're in a rebuild. They've got some, you know, some decently talented young mm-hmm. players in their system, and um, a good test to kind of get those guys up. And um, 22 of them have been uh, added to the uh, training camp roster as well. Yeah. Zeke, any uh, any takeaways from the prospects showcase at all? Yeah, not much more. I think just uh, than what obviously what Justin said, but I just think the uh, you know the, the the biggest thing obviously take away from me was just you know like just mentioned Wallstead, you know kicking ass in the first game, and you know aside from that fluky first goal, you know basically being what you would be uh, you expect him to be, you know in a in a prospect scrimmage or game like that, and. You know, as you mentioned, pretty much being, uh, you know, the the uh, proverbial wall for the team and net there, and uh, you know, it was it was obviously very good. So it's uh, it, it, it's just good to see, uh, you know, even though it's early, it's uh, good to see. Doesn't seem to have any issues with the smaller ice or anything like that. So yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Justin, any updates on the guys playing overseas? Yeah, I'll. I'll um... I'll start with the KHL, really, because that's all that's really going on right now. I've been able to watch a couple of Danila Yurov's games, and, uh, you know, he started really good for uh, Magnagorsk, and uh, he made a big impact playing third-line minutes. His first couple games, he <clears throat> one of his first couple games, he picked up a goal and assist in a game, and he was all over the ice. He was just a puck-hound uh, playmaking machine, and, uh, you know, he's – was playing third line minutes and he's been relegated to the fourth line for some reason. I don't understand. I haven't been able to watch their past few games cause they've been during my work day, but it, it, it didn't make sense considering how well he was playing before with the third line minutes. Just 
some of this KHL stuff doesn't make sense to me. But he sneezed, and they're like, "Oh, his kid's going to North America, fourth line." Yeah, right. Watch him sign a two-year contract and get second line minutes or something. <laughs> Inevitable. Yeah. <clears throat> then uh, Murat Husnadinov has been playing. Um, his team started off seven and zero, so they're doing well. Um, he's wearing the A, of course. We all knew that. And then winning face-offs left and right yeah oh he's a machine he's been playing on the second line consistently he's been getting ice time all over the place i've been watching a couple of his games as well uh he's getting on the five versus five of course four versus four power play penalty kill he's kind of look to to do draws too so um he's almost 60 percent on faceoffs on the season so far and that's seven or eight games in um you can tell he was working on his draws on the off season which is good news for wild fans he does only have three points which I feel like the points will come because he's being used so much. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of snake bitten, but he's doing well all over the other ice. So yeah. Can't and I think that's the big thing with him is like, that was never like point production was never like right. what made his, his skill set tantalizing. It was the, the 200 foot game, you know, the speed, mm-hmm. the ability to win face offs. So to see all of those things working right now, as you said that those things holistically should, I think eventually lead to points, you know, is it going to be massive Kaprizov type numbers? Probably not. But right. I think to have a lot of those other assets, especially in a young player, um, is something that should that should get you really excited about. You know, I always talk about when I'm looking at prospects, transferable skills. That's the kind of mm-hmm. stuff that you want to see right. be good against. You know, in the third, second best league in 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 the world. Um, so great to see him off to a good start in, in a lot of areas over there. Yeah. Another thing I noticed about him too is, even though he's one of the smaller guys, he's going. Uh, one of the games I watched, he went to the corner with one of the probably the biggest guy on the ice and kind of elbowed him, <laughs> shouldered him, whatever you want to say. Yeah, he's not afraid to battle, so that's good to see. And then uh, Matt Beguskov, he's been playing on Siska, one assist on the season. Nothing really to talk about with him. He's not getting that many minutes and. I guess last game he got 27 penalty minutes, but that was because he got into a fight and instigated wow. it. And you get a, uh, what is it, a, a 2 plus 5 plus 20 for instigating for that. In the case. Oh, wow. so, um, yeah, <laughs> not much to talk about with him, but I uh, had to mention him because he's been playing too. Um, the only thing else I got to bring up is uh, keep an eye on the prospects page. I'll try and post this just on the Foghorn as much as I can too. But we have a lot of hockey coming up for prospects, so the coverage is really going to pick up. Uh, the WHL starts Friday, September 23rd, coming up. The OHL will be September 29th. will be our first OHL player starting. Uh, as far as the QMJHL, uh, Friday as well. Uh, Spa Check will be playing. Um, the NCAA starts October 1st, and we have quite a few guys there. Yeah, Hockey opening all- weekend, little, uh, little yeah. Mankato, Minnesota. I, awesome. Uh, I think I'll be down in Mankato not probably not at the rink, but watching the game down there. Yeah. So I'll get some. Uh, I'll get some eyes on Brock Faber. <laughs> there we go. I have to send a scouting report. Yeah. <laughs> and then the hockey all event skin league is starting Friday as well. Uh, Liam o- Ugren will be playing for Jury Gardens, which was was an SHL team. Got sent to hockey all event skin. I think they'll be hungry because they probably want to get back to the SHL. So that'll be something to watch. And then the ECHL starts tomorrow. So. Lots coming. We have two guys in that league, uh, Ryan Healy and Nate Benoit. So, And then Hunter Jones spent some time bouncing back and mm-hmm. forth there last yeah. year as well. Right. Um, and then uh, I feel like I had one more thing. Oh, um, 
you'll see a lot more stuff with us from Iowa too. Cause we are now included in their press releases and emails. So we'll probably have quite a bit more content there too. And, and maybe some giveaways in the future. So lots to be looking forward to with the prospects page and, and hopefully bleeding over to the podcast as well. Exciting times, exciting times. If that doesn't get you jacked, I don't know what does. So <laughs> That's it on the prospects, Justin, and the prospects page. If you don't tune into MNW Prospects Young Guns, please do so on Twitter. They yes. have updates constantly. Turn on the notifications. You'll never miss a beat with what's going on with the prospects. But enough about them. We'll talk about a couple of them here a little bit later. There's been two somewhat minor uh, tidbits of news since the last we chatted. We debated doing a quick one-off podcast, but figured um, – you know, most of you could get what you needed out of it from Russo, and then we could hit our thoughts and combinations of other things today. Um, we'll start with a trade. Um, good old future considerations made his way to Minnesota. Um, journeyman, uh, high, high hopes for that guy. Um, and, and, and sent away to the Anaheim Ducks, uh, defenseman Dmitry Kulikov. Um, basically, the wild out of the deal, clear 2.25 or whatever it was, million dollars in cap space. Um, something that we had talked about on this show earlier in the year is something we foresee or had foresaw would happen. We expected to happen given just the logjam of defensemen that they had, you know, wanting to make room for Kalen Addison, you know, the seemingly writing on the wall that they had more trust in Merrill Goligosky, given that they were both given in-season extensions last year. Um, so the writing on the wall was all kind of there. I guess the only thing for me that was a little bit surprising was that they weren't able to get, like, anything for him. Um, like, I would have thought you maybe could have gotten, like, a fourth, fifth, sixth, even, mm-hmm. like, seventh-round pick. Um, I think what it comes down to, and this is something else we'll discuss in a little bit, is there are so many teams right now above the salary cap like even a two point one million dollar player just puts those teams in further further dire mm-hmm. straits, and I believe he also had a ten team no trade if I recall correctly as well. So like in theory, mm-hmm. you might have been down to only five six teams you could have traded him to, and they said, "Hey, we'll take him, but you got to give him to us for free." <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but aside from that, any other any other takeaways from shipping off Kulikov? I mean, not not much. I think uh, you know, there's maybe a connection there that we'll talk about later in the show of what that could end up helping uh, in terms of other moves. But, I mean, yeah, I think just overall, uh, it's not that surprising. You know, he was decent in the regular season last year, actually. You know, did his job Mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, And, obviously, it's been talked about, you know, for, you know, a ton ever since the end of the season was had maybe two of the worst games you'd ever see someone play in the playoffs. And maybe that was, you know, that probably essentially just sealed his fate uh, here at least. But, yeah, no, I think – you know, it's uh, like I said, it'd be nice to get some sort of pick, but then again, they're pretty flush with picks at this point. So it's, uh, it's uh, you know, he said it's just good to free up some cap space, which is almost as valuable nowadays mm-hmm. as any of those picks probably yeah. will ever be. So, right. That's an asset gained is the cap space, like both have mentioned, uh, mm-hmm. especially with hot, like this could help us with a trade or a signing because. Because, you know, like you mentioned, how many teams are over the cap? There's probably a handful, 10 of them at least, over the cap right now that need to clear space. And this could allow us to maybe gain a forward that uh, that we need. Per cap friendly, yeah. there are currently 12 teams um, that are mm-hmm. above the cap. And, like, half the league is 2 million or less. Like, the Wild actually have... Only one, two, three, four, five, six teams have more salary cap space than the Wild. One of them is the Dallas Stars, who needs to sign Jason Robertson. 
and the other ones are Chicago, Anaheim, Arizona, Buffalo, and Detroit, who are all probably trying to tank in some form for Connor Bedard. So um, they're in a pretty good spot. Uh, so yeah. Wise, which is, I, I, I don't think a phrase anyone thought would be uttered um, coming into this season. No, I, I think it's crazy how good of a spot we are considering what kind of cap hell we're in. We're <laughs> better off than 12 teams that yes. they're, they're in their own cap hell, but they don't have two contracts that are chewing up 12 to $14 million. It's, right. it's kind of a kudos to the management and how they're handling things. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll talk into the implications of that here shortly. The, we'll get into the other bit of news here before that. And the other one was just kind of a minor um, signing. The Wild went out, grabbed a guy that had, they'd been rumored to potentially be in on for a while, um, and that was Sam Steele um, of the Anaheim, formerly of the Anaheim Ducks. Um, young center, I believe, was a pretty high draft pick out of his draft class, if I recall correctly. I think he might have been in... First the, round pick, 30th overall. Yeah, so late first round pick, and that was in, what, 26? 15, 16, 16 I believe. somewhere in there. Yeah, still pretty young. I believe he's going to be 22, 23 years old. Just didn't quite find it in Anaheim. Wild bring him in on a relatively cheap contract. I think it was eight fifty. Um, let me verify that quick. Um, sounds right. And it sounds yeah, like off right the here, one year, eight twenty five. Eight twenty five. So yeah, so pretty cheap, low risk deal, one year deal for the Wild. Um, at worst, he probably ends up being their thirteenth forward. Um, at best, it sounds like he'll get some looks to start in the preseason um, with Rossi and Boldy, um, potentially with Goudreau, um, could potentially be on the fourth line with um, the uh, the Deweys, um, a guy that they see playing center, a guy who's had success winning draws in the past, which uh, clearly is an area of the wild they're weak. Yes. Um, so, you know, I don't really have ridiculously high expectations for this guy but i think you know just getting a body in there with nhl experience that can help in an area of the wild they're weak at a one year no risk very minimal cap hit situation Mm -hmm. um i was fine with it yeah i mean we kind of knew this was coming or had the rumors like you said uh low risk high reward type move i mean he he tore it up in the ahl with 41 points in 53 games in 20 uh in 2018 i believe 2019 of course comes up scores a hat trick for for anaheim so you know he does have offense you know maybe you know with each level it gets a little bit harder obviously but uh maybe we tap into that and you know of course we're trying to replace fiala's 85 points uh he's certainly not going to do that but you know getting these guys like maybe i'm kind of going down a rabbit hole but like joe Sturassi or you know sam Steele get get an opportunity to to do something he'll probably be fourth line but um yeah i mean just creates competition with with if anything else yeah i think like you said uh pretty much almost no risk there you know if he's you said if he's bad enough you can just probably send him down or send him through waivers or whatnot it's not going to hurt you and uh i mean i think obviously the only the only concern was there was the fact that he was on the uh, 2018 canadian world junior team and you know the stuff going on there but obviously you know as we've talked about uh, on twitter it seems that you know they've hopefully done the due diligence seems like they have uh so hopefully that uh, you know is, is not too much concern but other than that yeah i think it's there's pretty much nothing wrong with it i mean it's uh yeah not, not much more there other than what you guys said yeah, and I do believe his agent, you take it for what it's worth, came out and said that he wasn't involved um, in that situation with that World Junior team. Um, like I said, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. 
Um, of course, but I would assume that was something that was maybe, you know, the Wild did their due diligence on before um, signing him, at least. That would be my hope, is that they did that um, before bringing mm-hmm. that in. So, um, and if he is a part of that, I hope they don't hesitate in voiding his contract if there's an out for that. Um, but yeah, so should be a, a welcome addition to the team, like we said, you know, should be a bottom six guy that can fill in when needed, 13th forward. Um, just a good piece to have. Never bad to have some extra depth um, up front because mm-hmm. injuries are inevitable. Um, but let's get in next. We talked a little bit about where Steele might be utilized here. And as we look ahead to the preseason, I think, you know, one of the biggest things that we'll be watching for is obviously, you know, a lot of these rookies are going to get looks. But when, you know, the big guns do play, we're going to see line combinations tried. Um, mm-hmm. And going into the season, pretty much the only sure thing that we really have right now is, um, there's a couple things. One, we know the Zuccarello Hartman uh, Kaprizov line is coming back as it should. Uh, they're one of the most electric lines in hockey that year. I don't know why you would risk breaking that up. There's absolutely no reason to. Um, so they'll be back together. Um, we know that Fleury will be the starter and that Gustafson will be the backup. And the other thing that we now know because of Dean Evison, at least to start the year, um, we will see a change on the blue line. Um, with Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen, two of hockey's most analytical darling defensemen, um, which could create one of the best shutdown pairings in the NHL, which is very exciting. Um, and then the other pairing being um, Jake Middleton and Matt Dumba, at least to start the year. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about the defensive pairs first here because I really liked what Evison kind of said about kind of how he wanted um, to use these guys. I'm going to see if I can pull the quote here from um russo um from his q a he had with evison somewhere in here i would think i think i have the quote here, here. it is um oh. we're gonna try middleton with dumbs and try broads with spurge we know dumbs and broads work well same with spurgeon and middleton but we're gonna have to look at that we think it we think it might give us the opportunity to play spurge and broads against the high 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 end guys speed wise and then those other two against a little bit more of the grittier heavier groups and i think you look at the types of games that you could kind of envision those two playing. Um, and it makes a ton of sense to me. I think, you know, when you think of those high, high, high end guys, you know, you're talking about the McKinnon line in Colorado, right? I mean, how much more confident would you feel if you have, you know, the Eck line and Brody and Spurgeon out there against the McKinnon line, um, you know, defensemen that can push play that can keep up. Um, I, I love the idea. I'm, I'm excited to see what it works, um, how it works. Um, how they work off each other, um, and I think you know you have the potential with you know the uh, the dumb the Dumba Middleton pairing to kind of be physical, be gritty, um, handle some of those heavier matchups throughout the front of the net, play that little bit more defensive role as well. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's obviously you know there's been there's maybe some people's concern last year was you know whether it's right or wrong you know so a lot of people have thought you know that they've you know it's what, this is why they add Middleton to add a little more grit, I guess, to their blue line. And like you mentioned, Brett, maybe this helps to do it. Um, and because, you know, obviously, um, you know, you know, I think, that, like, again, health matters everything and Dumbs had the injury history. But uh, I, like I said, I think that's a, it's a pretty good idea. Obviously, it's uh, it's new, but, you know, like everyone knows how great of a, much of a skater Brodeen is and, and Spurgeon is, both of them at moving the puck out of the zone, like you mentioned, and just – being able not being just more than, you know, the classic old school defense, defense, uh, you know, pounding things in, but as you mentioned, be able to, you know, actually be involved in the play. Um, you know, as we've, you mentioned Nathan McKinnon, I mean, we see him do that against, you know, Connor McDavid and Edmonton and all those guys, which uh, is, is obviously very key, but yeah, no, I think, uh, 
it, it, you know, obviously we'll see, and then things could change even in a week here. But I mean, certainly, you know, uh, it probably doesn't hurt to, uh, you know, try to maybe load up on that one pair, like you mentioned, and, and really make that kind of the, your signature clear cut uh, top two, I suppose. Right. You got probably <clears throat> the two most underrated defensemen on the, the top pair in there. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously know what each brings uh, Spurgeon will still bring the offense like Dumba did with you know Brody inside you know maybe not as much in the past few years but that's uh, that's the first thing I thought of before I read Dean's quote is these two guys are gonna be really good together and the other two play a heavy game <laughs> like yeah there's gonna be lots of hits lot you know they're gonna be hard to play against and, and you know Dumba's will still be able to kind of jump up when he wants to because Milton's a little bit more you know responsible defensively so you know this We'll see how it goes, but it, it can pay off big dividends, I think. And then uh, I know we haven't talked about a third pairing yet, but I'm I'm very excited to see Kalen Addison get a chance uh, with Goligoski there, at least while Merrill's out. So, mm-hmm. you know, really a reason to be excited about all three pairs of defensemen here. Well, yeah. I think oh, I was going to say no. Yeah. Go ahead, Zeke. I was just going to mention the only I guess the only concern I have about that decision is I think you know we there was we saw good things from Jake Middleton last year, even in San Jose, it was kind of his first full year, but it seems that you know, a lot of times he's been maybe paired with the high end, you know, number one, like Carlson Burns or Spurgeon here. And, you know, will he be able to, obviously Matt Dumba is a good player uh, and is a good top four defenseman, but, you know, if he will be able to, you know, keep up when he doesn't have that premier number one on his side at the same level, we'll see. Obviously, you know, he's not a very, as much he's not, uh, you know, going to be making crazy plays. He's, uh, you know, fairly safe player. So it should probably work, but I guess that would be the only, I suppose concern is, is if he, uh, you know, if he's able to like take on more of that load, like himself kind of in that role. Well, eventually he'll be playing with Brock Faber. So (laughs) yeah, that's true. Yeah. No. And uh, Justin, you alluded to the other, the other key piece. So we talked about, you know, Kulikov being moved, opening up, you know, the potential for, Kellen Addison and Zeke, as you alluded to, with um, you know, with, with John Merrill out for at least you know the first couple weeks of the season, there's going to be a real shot for Kellen Addison. You know, it, it's he's, it's not going to be handed to him, but the opportunity is there for him to start the season on the right side. Um, it'll be according to Dean Evison, um, there'll be a battle for the third pair between Alex Goligoski, Kellen Addison, um, newly acquired Andre Schuster, who's had cups of coffee in the NHL with various teams, big, heavy, penalty-killing type defensemen, um, as well as Dakota Mermis, who's been kind of a tweener here these last couple of years and has been really serviceable. Um, the Iowa Wild, in, in my opinion, has looked fine when he's gotten um, ice time in the NHL. So um, I think we'll talk Addison here because I don't think anyone wants to hear us talk about those other guys too much. We know what they are, what they bring. But, um, you know, Addison was a storyline we kind of talked about, you know, on the prospect show with the soda pod that we've talked about, you know, at length throughout last year. Why isn't he getting opportunities to look good? Um, that opportunity is going to come. And I think to me, what gives him the edge, if you read between some of the lines, um, when Russo asked Evison, you know, what, you know, obviously the special teams need to be changed. What will we like, what's going to change in the power play? Is it going to be systems? And he basically said, well, there's three things you can run in the power play. So we're not really going to change systems, but we're going to change personnel. And which to me means Kulikov wasn't playing on the power play last year. Um, Spurgeon's probably not coming off, but that means that tells me that there's a spot there for Kalen Addison. That's we know that's where his value is. It's where it's been his Holker. You've seen the dude be able to walk a blue line to be able to kind of quarterback that power play. Um, and I think if he can prove that you know he's worthy of that um, PP two QB role, mm-hmm. I think it makes him really intriguing on that third pair. 
um, with someone like Goligoski, or, or even if that ends up being Merrill down the road, who's a little more defensively responsible. Um, but to me, he needs to step up and really prove his value, I think, especially in the preseason on the power play. Um, it's definitely something I'm watching closely here um, in the next couple of weeks. Right. I feel like he's probably a, a better you know, puck mover than the others, too, like Suster. Of course, he's a big body. He'll kill penalties. But, yeah, uh, Addison, I mean, he played really well in Iowa last year. <clears throat> and I feel like he did all right when he was up with the big club. But, yeah, this will be really his, his proving ground. Um, certainly want to see the power play change. And I'm certainly not going to call it a top five power play this year. <laughs> we no. give our bold predictions, but, you know, it, it's exciting to see these prospects hopefully come in and stick now because, you know, we've been excited about them for so long and then they're finally getting these opportunities and, and you just want to see them stick. Well, I think what's, you know, kind of exciting about Addison too is, you know, you go Brett Redoff Everson's quote and in another part he was basically, you know, he, I mean, he said he's a power play player. That's his job. And uh, you know, I'm, you know, obviously that could change, but it's good that you get the feeling that they're not going to uh, make him be something that's not that. You know, if he's not, you know, they're not going to shoehorn him to know you gotta, be, you know, focused on, you know, gotta beat the, you gotta always be sharp up top. It's good that it's they're seemingly, you know, going to put him in a position to succeed if he earns it. And it sure seems like, you know, as, as we can all see, it sure seems like they want him to earn that. But I think it's uh, it, it'll be nice to. Uh, you know, finally get extended look, uh, you know, uh, here in the next couple of weeks, the next month, first month of the season uh, when some guys are still hurt. Yeah, and I think the thing that's most interesting to me is like, you know, as of now, you'd kind of look at him as like the sixth defenseman. But if he proves mm-hmm. that value in the power play, all of a sudden he's kind of number five, I think, where mm-hmm. now instead of, you know, maybe it's a rotation of, you know, is it Goligoski and one of Merrill or Addison or Miller Addison, um, Goligoski sits out I think he becomes kind of the stable one and it's maybe more of a of a Goligoski Merrill rotation versus Addison rotating out um, as long as I think he's bringing that value because those other two guys probably just can't do that um, I know right. Merrill can't Goligoski maybe but I don't think quite to the effectiveness um, that Addison has potentially um, I don't want to jump the gun and say he has it he's done it at previous levels but you know can that translate up now to the next level yeah and I know Goligoski is still effective, but we saw last year starting off top four, got moved to the third pair. Mm-hmm. You know, father time catches up with everyone, and and yeah, Addison's got youth on his side. So, well, that's the, that's the good thing about having so many options. You can mm-hmm. take three nights off, and it's not a huge deal. Like you know, so right, absolutely. So. Let's move next then, sticking with the line combinations and, you know, kind of the training camp storylines and move into kind of the forward group. So we touched on, you know, at least to start that top line, probably staying the same as it should. Hartman, Kaprizov, Zuccarello. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's just going to be just fascination for me on what happens the rest of the way through. So we know we're going to have, you know, Eck and Foligno together to start. But with the Greenway injury, there's going to be a spot um, on that. Um, grief line, um, which is now just the EF line um, <laughs> to start the year. But, I mean, there's so many options there. You could put Sam Steele there. Um, Everson seems to be hinting at Tyson Jost going to be the first one to get the look there. I mean, you could look at a Connor Dewar or a Brandon Duheim in that role. Maybe it's Freddie Goudreau that moves into that role. Um, I think Russo speculated one point in the offseason, maybe that's a role Adam Beckman 
um, grabs at a training camp. Like there are so <laughs> many options here on this second line. Um, I just kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on who you'd like to see there, why you'd like to see them there, and then kind mm-hmm. of, you know, once Greenway comes back, what do you do kind of at that point if you want to think that far ahead or if you don't, then also fine. I'm, I mean, personally, I want to see Beckman get a chance there. I mean, we all knew he had a pretty good off um, preseason last year. I didn't really light it up in Iowa, but he was stuck with guys that didn't suit his skill set. But I want to see him get that chance as long as he can prove in in training camp and through the preseason that uh, he can get that chance. Also, you can call it the beef line, so um, <laughs> you can keep the, the the nicknames going. Um, I mean, really and truly, Jost isn't a bad option, and you know some of these other guys. But uh, I really want to see Beckman get a chance. I, I I want to see what he can do up here. Yeah, I think it. Maybe it comes down to just obviously they think fits there. I mean, as I mentioned, there's a bunch of chances. I think, you know, I know Russo, like you said, Justin was talked about Beckman a little bit in the summer. And, you know, I could see it obviously if he comes in and is great here in the next couple of weeks. But I don't, you know, it just kind of does he really, does his, I guess, you know, maybe he doesn't project as like a top line of score, mm-hmm. but does his skill set really fit that role in that line? I think is a question you have for pretty much anybody you want to put on there. Alexa but Lights. I think it could definitely be interesting. And, you know, obviously it, uh, in this article, in Russo's Cunette Devison, seems like that maybe Joe's somebody they want to try in that line. Uh, I know he did play there briefly for like a game or two, and it didn't work well. But, I mean, again, that was a game. He was new to the team, not used to everything. And I know that he's, you know, not when you watch him the ice, he's not the biggest guy. But at the, at the same time, I think, uh, you know, I, I think he, there's a few times where, you know, he's still kind of had that bit of a scrappy kind of play style in him. So maybe that could work. Uh, I guess that would be interesting. That would be his, you know, I guess, opportunity in the top nine to, you know, show mm-hmm. what he's got that they've been talking about. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, I mean, I think right now it's probably most likely, um, you know, I would say that Joe's is going to be there to start at least here the first preseason games. Uh, that could change. But, uh, yeah, I just, I guess I just don't see – any of the other rookies getting moved up into that spot right now, right away. But, you know, they could come in, like they always say, and blow the doors off and force them to give mm-hmm. them that spot in the top nine. So Right. I certainly think you're right that it'll be someone like Jost. But uh, it'd be pretty cool to see Beckman there. But, yeah, yeah. you're right. I would like to see Jost see what he can do at the top of the lineup. You know, we all know he was crammed on in Colorado. And, and you know, maybe he's another guy that can – help fill that void of Fiala. I know it's a different line, but, mm-hmm. you know, top six, see what he can do while Greenway's out. <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Um, this is the one here I've gone back and forth on. I don't know that I've really decided what I want to see here yet. Um, I think selfishly I'd want it to be Connor Dewar because um, I think from a system standpoint, you look at kind of the role that line <laughs> plays, and it's it's the shutdown role. Um, and if you look at Connor Dewar's numbers from last year, and we talked about this on the you know player evaluation episode, um, end of last year, um, he had the best defensive suppression numbers on the team ahead of Marcus Foligno. Now, granted, that was against weaker competition, but I think in terms of someone who I think could immediately step into that role and not really change the identity of the line, I think it, it's Connor Dewar. Um, if he's you know he's not six six like Jordan Greenway, um, a little bit smaller, a little bit leaner. Um, but adds a little bit of a speed aspect. He still plays super hard. I mean, they don't call him the pit bull for, for no right. reason. 
Um, he's got an incredible work ethic. Um, so he's someone I could see stepping into that right away. Um, but it really seems that they like Dewar and Duhame together as the wings kind of on that fourth line. And it seems it's these other three, you know, Goudreau, Steele, Jost. One will be placed on each line. Um, and I think the interesting thing there is I think, to me, it, it's more about, in a way is, you know, who's going to be that boldy Rossi third person? Because I don't mm-hmm. think they want to get that line going. And then once Grunick comes back, now they're, you know, rotating all this stuff around again and reconfiguring all three lines. So my my thinking is that they're going to try to establish that third line, which now you're down to maybe two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin, you had mentioned Beckman, and I would be really excited to see him there. But I think mm-hmm. the addition of Steele, I think, has, to me, yeah. more or less ruled him out of that conversation. Because I think if he makes the team now, it's... You know, it's a Dewar, Duhame, a Jost, a Steel, even that would have to be scratched for that to happen. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't see that as a likely possibility right. um, for someone like Beckman. And, you know, I could be wrong, but um, that's just kind of what my gut says there. Um, but it'll be really interesting. So that said, um, moving to, we're going to assume Mar- Marco Rossi makes the team because if he doesn't, I'm, we're, we might, we might create a picket line down to Bill Guerin's office um, <laughs> uh, to protest it. But um, assuming that he's on that third line with Matt Boldy, we know those two have chemistry. There's an open spot there as well. Um, I know we talked end of last year. We, you know, we were looking at maybe Jost in that spot. It seems that they'd want to be, have Rossi at center, which makes me think Steele's probably not the one. So to me, it's kind of down to Jost and Goudreau there. Um, and it sounds like potentially Goudreau, which doesn't thrill me because I just don't think he has a skill set that quite complements those two. Um, mm-hmm. So I, that, I think that's where I'd still like to see Tyson Jost because that offensive creativity is there. We've seen it. Um, and then you maybe put Goudreau on the other line and Steele on the fourth line, you know, potentially. But um, what would you guys like to see? Um, who would you like to see with Boldy and Rossi to start the year in your ideal world? Well, I mean, I think... Oh, you had Justin. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Jake. Okay. No. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Typical Minnesotan right here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's. I think it's kind of hard. I mean, I know. Obviously, everyone knows. Uh, you know, Dean's article says. You know, we all know what I what we think of Freddie, and everyone you know knows that he's. You know, sent. You know, he's probably Everson's favorite player. He obviously has a huge appreciation for this guy. He obviously was very good last year. Even if he wasn't the driver, he kept up fairly well on that line with Fial and Boldy for a guy who kind of had never really played in the NHL uh, and, and could win some face-offs from time to time. And, you know, I, I think I would be fine if he's on that line. I think that he can keep up with that, you know, kind of play. I mean, you know, again, if it, with a couple with one rookie and another guy, both of whom have played maybe a combined 50 games, I think it's a little you know, it's a little tough to say because you don't fully know what you have and even Rossi yet because we haven't really seen him much at the NHL level. But, you know, I think I think that's probably what they're almost certainly going to do. So, um, you know, it's kind of hard for me to really have an opinion on anybody else. But uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm personally fine uh, starting with that. But uh, I'd be interested to hear, uh, you know, what you guys also think there because I think you make a good point about Joe's breadth on that line too. So. I th- correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Goudreau fairly defensively responsible? Mm-hmm. He is. Yeah. So I, I that's feel definitely like the strength of his game. Quite possibly that could fit in with Eck and Felino because mm-hmm. you know we all know what they did well, on so, defense last yep. year. Whatever the first twenty games they played, 
20 or so, didn't allow a goal, five versus five. So uh, stick Freddie with them. I mean, he can bring some offense at times. And like you said, he can keep up. But uh, this would be uh, a line that would be, you know, that can score, but they're very defensive responsible. And then as much as I'd like to see Jost get top six, I feel like being on a line with Boldy and Rossi, that's almost like a, could possibly a top six line. Yeah. I look at the top wilds, nine is pretty damn good. Two and three is more like a two A two B or a three A three B. Like I think uh, Jay Fresh put out to like Minnesota Wild fans. Like who's your second? Who's your third line? And it's like yes. Yeah. Like they're they're, right. they're both each they play different roles. Yep. So I, I'd like to see what he can do with them. You know, we all know what Bali can do, and yeah. uh, we know what Rossi can do. But he hasn't had a other than a, a couple games in the NHL. I mean. They they could uh, you know light a fire at times and, and we we knew Rossi and Boldy we had great chemistry in Iowa. Hopefully they bring that back up to Minnesota here as well. But I'd like to see what Jost can do with those two because we all know he can bring offense at times too. Hundred <clears throat> percent. Um, yeah. So I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they kind of roll out training camp wise. My guess is we're gonna see. I think outside of that top line that Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Hartman line. I think we'll see a lot of different guys tried um, a lot of different areas. Um, for pure entertainment purposes, I would love to see them, just for like a period, put Rossi between Kaprizov and Zuccarello, j- just to That'd see what fun. it looks like. Like, just give it a sh- Like, just humor us, Dean. It's the preseason. Yes. Who cares? Let, let's try, you know, let's, get, go out, let's try Rossi, Rossi, Baldy, and Kaprizov. Oh, Why God, not? don't. Uh, that would... <laughs> I would have to buy an entire new wardrobe of clothes. I, don't, I, don't, I, I would... My apartment would burn down. <laughs> it, would, it would just be a disaster. You need to wash your um, sheets. Yeah. It would put me through so many emotions. I don't even know how I would cope with that. Um, but yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. Just, just try interesting things like that. Um, I think, obviously, the other thing we'll be watching closely um, is the special teams, which we kind of touched on a little bit on the power play. Um, looking at those personnel changes, you know, do they split up? You know, do they load up with kind of unit one? Is it going to be, you know, a Spurgeon? Kaprizov, Zuccarello, Rossi, Boldy, or is it, you know, a young guy's PP2 with Rossi, Boldy, Addison? Like, how does that all play out? I think it'll be interesting to see what those personnel changes look like. Um, you know, Eric Sinek um, led the team in power play goals last year, so is he, you know, on PP1? And um, do they keep Rossi and Boldy together where they've had chemistry in the power play in the past working the half walls? Um, so I think there's some in- interesting things there. And then I think seeing, you know, what we Dean Evison very candid in that Q&A about, um, wanting the penalty kill this year to be far more aggressive um, than they were last year. They played a very passive box last year. We saw them get absolutely eaten up by that against St. Louis and then overcommitting at the wrong times, opening up those cross-size passing lanes, which leave your goalies hung out to dry. Um, the other thing he hit on, too, was creating internal passing lanes in the zone to help get more effective clears because that was the other area the Wild struggled with last year. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how those personnel changes, those system changes, the PK um, – you know, obviously things are going to be rusty in the preseason both ways, uh, but I'm curious to just kind of see that stuff in action and like, all right, we, this is the area you were likely very challenged on by Bill Guerin um, coming in the offseason. I want to see kind of what he does with that. Yeah, no, I think, and I think, uh, I think he mentioned that article with, you know, with power play, it was, you know, personnel wise and pound the kill was more, you know, system wise, as you mentioned, Brett, it just drive you insane. You know, the amount of times where you would watch their power play go out there and these teams, you know, forcing, you know, wild turn the puck over to bobble passes around the perimeter, you know, and, and make them make plays. And then, you know, they, as you mentioned, they would be, when they would kill, they just basically back up into the box and let the other guys tee away. 
you know, when when the NHL, you know, everyone knows you just you have to take away time and space because if you give it, you know, if you give that, if you give time and space to anybody on the ice, pretty much they'll make you pay. So yeah, no, obviously we'll, we'll have to see. Obviously they're going to try to improve it. Uh, anyone would. So we'll, like I said, we'll have to see uh, how that works. But you know, that was definitely their. Uh, that's you know, that's definitely their. Achilles heel and their biggest problem aside and wonder, I guess, aside from maybe in goal that'll affect their season for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, the last thing I wanted to get to here is we're, you know, on a pretty good, a pretty good timeline for this episode. Um, It's just kind of the expectations for kind of the upcoming season. I mean, I think this has been a little bit of a hot button topic, you know, locally, but also nationally as well. Like, I think there's this feeling of like the wild are going to regress and they're not going to be the same team as last mm-hmm. year. And I've seen takes as wild as like, this is going to be a lottery team if things don't go well. And I'm like, come on, pump the brakes here. Um, so I want to talk about what you think realistic expectations are for 2022, 2023. I, th- I can start just to kind of set the framework. Mm-hmm. Do I think they will be the fifth best team in the league and whatever, like put up 105 points? No, <laughs> I, d- I don't think that. Yeah. Um, but, like, I still see them as a top three team in this division. Like, St. Louis didn't really get any better this offseason. Mm-hmm. Dallas didn't really add anybody. They just signed extensions. They don't have Robertson right now. He's not at training camp. Um, Nashville, you know, re-signed Philip Forsberg, added Nino Niederreiter and Ryan McDonough. But does that really move the needle a long way for them? I don't think so. Winnipeg's in shambles. They just stripped Blake Wheeler of the captaincy. I think I think they're heading in the wrong direction as that core gets older. Um, Chicago's tanking for Bedard. Um, Colorado's Colorado. They're going to be the best team in the division. I don't think anyone's questioning that. And then who am I forgetting in there? Oh, Arizona, who's in the midst of a rebuild. They're still several years out. Like There's no one outside of Colorado that I'm like, yep, they scare me. The Wild can't beat them. Um, and then you just look at the Western conference landscape as a whole, like every big name free agent for the most part left the West and went to the East. Like a couple came here, like Mason Marchman to Dallas. Obviously you have the, the Calgary trade that brings in Jonathan Uberdo and Mackenzie Weger to Calgary, um, for Matthew Kachuk, but like Fiala is still in the conference in LA, but like no other really big names came into the West. They all left. Um, right. like I think the West will be worse. The East is going to be a freaking gauntlet. Like any team mm-hmm. over there that's not a playoff team, I feel bad because they're going to get obliterated. Um, this coming year, but like for those reasons, like the division to me lateral moved pretty much across the board. Um, and I think outside of Calgary, I don't really think, and maybe LA, like none of the Western Conference teams really got better. So I was like who says the wild can't be a top three team in the conference again last year, like they were this year. Um, yeah, obviously they need, you know, they lost 85 points in Kevin Fiala. They lost Dmitry Kulikov. They lost Cam Talbot, but um, you're bringing in Marco Rossi. You're bringing in potential power play help, special teams help. Um, if you can tighten up defensively, if these defensive pairing works and you give up less goals, you don't need to replace 85 points. So, I don't think they'll be as good as last year, but I think a top three finish in the division and a top five spot in the conference, I think is completely in the realm of possibilities for this team. And I, I would probably put money on it if we were allowed to do that in this state. Right. Yeah. I, I, I'd have to agree with you. I, I think we'll maybe probably touch a hundred points again. I, I really don't think we're that much worse than last year at all. It's basically the same team minus the guys you mentioned. And other guys could come in, step up, and and fill that void. Maybe, like you said, maybe not the eighty-five points, but they can fill it with some sort of, you know, what what they bring. 
to the team. Um, I'm losing my train of thought here, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I even Calgary, like, you, yeah, they got Huberto and Uyghur, but they lost Goudreau and Kachuk. So did it's like Kadri, though. I think they did get. Kadri, yes. Oh yeah, they another, did get Kadri. Which is a pretty big addition. That. But like, you, also, lo- you, you lose Kachuk and Goudreau, and you gain Kadri, Uberdo, and Uyghur. Like again, like right. did that maybe a little bit better defensively, but like offensively, it's probably a lateral move. Right. Might even and, be a slight step back. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you got these young guys that have more than a season under their belt. You, you figure they'll improve. Boldy, you figure he'll improve. Um, hopefully, the you know the Deweys, we know what they're going to bring, and, and they have a season under their belt. I, I just Krill Caprice still exists. Yeah, yes. that first line is still there. The grief line is still there. When and when Greenway gets back, I mean, we still have the same defensive core. Uh, Goalie might be a question mark. I mean, we still have Flurry, who just won the Vesna two years ago. The, the backup we'll see is yet to be determined how you know he'll fill Talbot's void. He, his numbers aren't going to jump out at you, but he was in Ottawa. So the, um, the weird thing to me about like there's a lot of people concerned about the goaltending, and I was like, y'all really like forgot what happened before Talbot finished the year strong. Right. Like he wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Like no, they had to off. go make the trade for Flurry for a reason. Like, he oh, had yeah. that just absurdly terrible stretch. And, like, even if you throw out, I think, that stretch and you compare, like, Gustafson and Talbot side by side, I think Gustafson's numbers are a little bit worse. But, like, yeah, they're probably going to be worse playing in Ottawa right. last year. Like, that team just yeah. isn't as good. Um, right. But to me, like, I don't see a huge difference between those two goalies, really. Right. Um, so not not a whole lot has changed yeah. other than, you know, a big offensive weapon gun. But. You, you give that opportunity to other guys to see what they can do in that spot. And exactly. Yeah. Like you said, maybe they don't get those points, but maybe we shut more more points down so we have to score less. I don't know. Exactly. But, That's well, where I'm at. Yeah, I think, you know, on the, the goaltending, obviously, you know, the Wilds historically have been goalie-friendly, you know, environment, and I think that's still been mostly true. So, you know, hopefully that's, you know, you know they've been able to succeed, you know, with, not the greatest numbers in net, but I think overall, for me, I'm the same with you guys. I think they're pretty much locked to be a playoff team again, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like they have been for a long time now. I, you know, I think overall, just, just my thought on it is, you know, obviously everyone knows with, you know, the, uh, you know, the cap trouble, obviously, like you're saying that causes them to lose Fiala and, and not really being able to add now very much, at least that we think. Uh, I think for me, it's just kind of a, my expectation just make playoffs and then see what happens. Uh, after that, it's kind of icing on the cake to me, but I th- I think like for sure they're definitely a playoff team. I could see them finishing, you know, like you said, anywhere from second to even like fourth ish in their in the central there, mm-hmm. depending on you know who's you know who's good, uh, you yeah. know. But I see it being like no more than two points, probably in, like any direction. Like it's gonna be Colorado, and then it's yeah. just gonna be a clusterfuck of like Minnesota, yeah. Nashville, Dallas, Absolutely. and St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and yeah, I mean you know the only. Uh, Fortunate thing there is if they finish that top there, that almost probably guarantees them going to St. Louis again if they do make the playoffs, which, you know, hopefully it's not the big, bad, you know, scary monster this year. But we'll get we'll get to that when they get to it. But, yeah, I think they're, you know, they're, they're a playoff team. Again, they're good. I think, you know, a lot of the people assuming they'll be, you know, somewhat more worse this year is a lot of the, you know, it, kind of nationally around the league people, you know, who don't follow the team closely. You know, just have to take a look. They still have. You know, obviously, as you know, it helped as long as uh, Kreisov is there on the team. I think that pretty much guarantees that they'll be right in the mix. Uh, you know, so yeah. Agreed. So 
Yeah, I don't think much has changed. I think we'll come in and get her on 100 points, make the playoffs, see what happens in the playoffs. Of course, we're not. I don't feel we're going to be a lottery team, but uh, we'll get nope. to the draft, have someone fall to us again, yep. <laughs> uh, four years in a row, and and uh, <laughs> keep adding to this pool. But yeah, no, I I feel like we're going to do pretty well this season. Still, I know I already talked, but yeah. kind of had to throw in that draft pick falling to us thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think there, there's reason for optimism um, fully around here, um, and we can reflect fully maybe on player expectations, maybe kind of once we see you know, what happens out of preseason, kind of what the anticipated opening night lines look like. We can talk expectations and bold predictions at that time. But um, I think that kind of covers our storylines, you know, heading into preseason, what to watch for, um, who we're excited to see, what we're excited to look at, um, all those things. Um, and the last thing I guess we can speculate on here briefly here um, is I just kind of just a quick, maybe like 30-second answer for you guys. The Wild have cap space, Right now, where if a team you know needs to dump cap, the Wild could be a team that could jump in and grab you know a player. Are you? Would you? Is that something you'd want them to do, or you just kind of want them to sit tight, maybe wait, see what that looks like in a month, two months? Do you think they have to pounce now, bank that for the trade deadline? What do you guys want to see the Wild do, um, either now or later with that cap space? Thirty seconds to a minute. Um, I'm going to keep mine simple. I'm going to have them. I want them to do whatever makes the team better. So if it's a move that can make this team better, go ahead and do it. If it makes sense, go ahead and do it. I mean, there's 12 teams that need to get under the cap space that, I mean, do it if, if it's there. Yeah, I think, you know, I think I'm the same for me. I could definitely see the virtue in just keeping you got and giving all these, you know, guys a try some of these unproven players, but I'm, I'm with Justin. I mean, obviously it depends on, player or you know who's available that a team needs to move but i think if you could get anybody who you know has like russo mentioned today who has the ability to even to score and replace somewhat of what you lost from fiala for you know little or nothing i think it's definitely be something you know that you would uh, that have to consider and it seems like they are obviously very heavily considering right now yeah i think that's where i'm at like for me it's a yes but like the player needs to be like like the floor for this player needs to be a top nine forward to me, like a middle yeah. six guy. Like yeah. to mm-hmm. me, if it's another kind of bottom six, like, yeah, this guy's fine. But like, I feel like the wild have enough of that with Greenwood coming back with Tyson Jost, with Freddie Goudreau, Rossi's coming up. You have guys like Mitchell Chafee in Iowa. You have the Deweys. Like you have enough of these guys that can play those roles. So like to me, it needs to be an impact player. Otherwise to me, it's not worth it to bring in another Sorry. third, fourth, <gasps> yeah, like another third, fourth liner type. Um, so, I mean, the, t- it, it would take way too long to look at the teams and the players that might be expendable, but if you want to do the research on your own, you can go to cap friendly, but just to list the teams right now that are over the cap, Montreal, Vegas, Tampa Bay, Edmonton, Washington, Florida. Um, those are the ones over 3 million or more. And then Vancouver, Carolina, Philadelphia, Boston, Toronto, and Pittsburgh, um, all basically one and a half million or more um on their books so um and then basically there's a crop of teams that probably don't have room to make any significant moves so it's the wild and maybe 10 other teams that can kind of vie for those players so um be interesting storyline to watch here and because i believe those rosters have to be finalized by like october like it's middle october i think like 12th 13th 14th i think kind of somewhere right in there um i think season starts the 14th so sometime before then Mm -hmm. um so something to watch but I wanted to kind of get your guys' thought on that because that was something that uh, was written about reported today. So 
I think that's pretty good for a welcome back. We're going to keep it on time. We're not going to overstay our welcome. Um, uh, final thoughts before we uh, wrap things up. Yeah, no, not much. Uh, just all in the fact, you know, we're three weeks away from being able to, you know, be back in the rank, be hanging out, favorite places to be. Uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, uh, I'm pumped. I hope everyone else is pumped uh, just for another, you know, like I said earlier, another year of, you know, sitting on here or on Twitter, uh, you know, going back and forth, you know, uh, yelling and screaming about line <laughs> combinations and the power play and all that else. So it's going to be, it's going to be nice to just be back, uh, you know, hanging out and interacting with everybody and, you know, doing what we love to do. So Justin, uh, I guess just uh, enjoy it. It's exciting. Uh, another season's coming up. we got some guys we've been wanting to see up here, uh, looking like they're going to be up here. So, um, bunch of reasons to be excited on top of when you're closer to being out of cap hell so uh just excited to see rossi and 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 addison some of these guys see what they can do hopefully with extended roles yeah absolutely uh my final thought is be kind of highlighting what we'll be looking like here um heading into the season um we don't have a, a next episode planned at this moment in time there'll likely be one for sure sometime before the season opener potentially that wednesday um, before the season opener, if there's some big training line stories or if they do go out and make a trade, um, we'll probably jump on discuss that. Um, but probably nothing. There might not be much in the next week to two weeks. But once the season is is on the doorstep, we'll have something there. And then looking at the season, it should still work for us for at least the first month and a half or so of the season. Um, we'll be a Wednesday night show again. So in your feeds, late Wednesday, early Thursday, uh, every week, uh, we'll be here chat- chatting about the wild. So um excited for that and then if you did miss it over the summer um i have completely revamped my player cards pcs model i've added penalty kill into the mix i've adjusted some of the baselines um for all the metrics across the board um i have an explainer article that i wrote up that completely dives into everything you see on the cards what goes into it the weights um you can find all that in the link tree in my bio on twitter if you missed that so feel free to check that out those will be back i might do some test runs um, for a couple preseason games potentially too um, so go ahead, check that out. Um, looking forward to another season of, of player cards as well. But that'll do it for the show. So, Justin, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work? You can find me at DEs2004. You can find me at Caprizov. See you at the Caprizov Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW, MNW Young Guns. <laughs> Mouthful. Uh, make sure to be following there because everything is getting rolling really soon. I have little bit of new content this year and possibly some giveaways coming up so uh stay tuned love it zeke yeah you as usual you can uh, follow me on twitter at zeke Boy with capital z and a capital b obviously since it's hockey season i'll be uh, much more active on there now so just be uh, sure more to give than me just house there. of dragons content yes that too <laughs> every sunday night every sunday Oh, it's been great. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram at sound the foghorn. All one word, Minnesota wild preseason first game this Sunday. We will be back in the next week or two previewing the NHL season and talking about bull predictions, all that good stuff. But until then, this has been another episode of sound. The